a man from a different era. I'm really living in the wrong time. I, I really, at first was freaked out when I couldn't make a phone call, couldn't receive a phone call, couldn't send a text, couldn't receive a text. But then after a couple of minutes, and certainly after a couple of hours, I loved it. I, I really need to go back in time. I could churn butter. I think it'd be great at churning butter. I think it'd be well, an all-time uh, butter churner. Yeah. I, at least you know if you were from that time that you wouldn't be a soldier yeah, or no, a no. blacksmith or... You have to reconnect. I'm being told you have to reconnect because your phone is awful. So he's going to reconnect. Yeah, it actually reminded me, and it was very bizarre and very weird, and a lot of people were affected by this uh, this outage, obviously, and we're all back to normal, seemingly. Uh, and we're going to try again with Justin Bourne at 10 o'clock, who we couldn't communicate with yesterday because he only has uh, a telephone line, apparently, to communicate to the outside world. But it reminded me of... Uh, when I went to the Masters in 2017. In 2017, I went to the Masters, if you didn't know, because I, I only talk about it every other day, about yeah. how I went to the Masters. In you got five stories, so yeah, that's one of them. One of the in 2017, five I went to the Masters. You went to the Masters. So in, the, in 2017, I was at the Masters in 2017, and it was the Masters, and I was there. And uh, <laughs> it was Friday, and honestly, I mean, the day was, uh, was going to be perfect and a memorable one for obvious reasons, but... Part of it, though, was the putting away of the phone for 12 hours and not having to reference it and just feeling so free. I felt that freedom again yesterday. I, I, I don't belong in the So time. what I was saying is you wouldn't have been anything like a blacksmith or a soldier in those times. That's obvious. You would have been there with what a bonnet. You would have had a bonnet, and you would have churned butter, and that would have been you. <laughs> Benny the Bonnet Butter Churner. That's what they would have called you. Oh, Benny Bonnet. And you would have said, just a moment. I'm just churning this butter. And they would have been like, hurry up, man. Let's go. But you're right. You would have been quite the butter churner. Number Thank two. You. Number two. Never forget that when you won those master's tickets, that Lance yeah. Kennedy, our technical director, had been <laughs> trying to win the lottery for master's tickets for, I don't know, something like life. 15 years. And then when I half guilted you because you won enough tickets because I think you won four, right? No, first year in 2017, I only won two. You only okay. won two tournament round tickets. But I remember saying you should offer Lance at least the opportunity to sell them to him for cheap. And Lance had an all-time bad response of, I want to win them myself. <laughs> Which, to this day, cheap. I... No, cheapest guy who ever lived. Lance is a absolute disgrace to being a golfer. He he sealed in the same thing that Han Solo was in. His chances Carbonite. of ev Oh yeah. Carbonite is his chances of ever winning the Masters lottery now because once he passed that up, the golf and sports gods went, Ex "Excuse me? You're not willing to pay a small premium on these Noah there's something everyone knows that going to the Masters, it's all about winning the lottery yourself and having uh -huh. to accomplish that as though it's anything but a random draw. So Lance is never going. Frozen in Carbonite, his odds of ever, ever, ever going to the Masters. Cheapest guy ever. Again, I just I can't state that enough. I agree. Yesterday was... 
Couldn't I, I went outside a lot yesterday. I know. I told you. <gasps> La Familia, crime syndicate. Uh know, Cosa Nostra. <laughs> it's our thing. I go outside. I do things outside. Yeah, that's right. I'm a bad boy. Wow. I'm a bad boy who goes outside and I went outside without a purpose. Just to walk around. I know. <laughs> I know. Me? You would think that I wouldn't self incriminate, but that's the thing about this syndicate is it's so big. Uh-huh. It's so vast that we're above the law, <laughs> you wow. know? We're above the law. We'll see. So as I was outside yesterday, it it felt like, A, I had my old iPod back because I was only able to listen to the songs that I had downloaded at home. So <laughs> there was no... mix mixtape before you leave. Right, exactly. I had my Walkman. I had my Discman. I was out in about with the music that I had decided upon at home. There was no on-the-fly, off-the-cuff <laughs> music for this guy. I also felt super popular because when I came back home, you get all the messages at once. Oh, I was yeah. like, ooh. And usually when I get that kind of an influx of messages at once, I think, oh, um... Somebody died. Yeah, or I've accidentally posted something on Twitter or Instagram that was not meant to be there. <laughs> 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 and you have the fear of, oh, something is wrong. It couldn't be that people like me or want to reach out to mm-hmm. me to have a discussion. It's just simply that I have made a horrible and life-changing mistake. Mm-hmm. It was not the case. Yeah, it was a little freeing. Do I want it for the rest of my life? I would say no. I've become accustomed to a certain type of living. Do you know what uh, people of our age are called? Because we're technically millennials, right? Right. Yeah, elder millennial. <laughs> Yeah, you more so than me, but... Okay. Well, I actually thought of you yesterday because AstraZeneca vaccine for 40-year-olds, well, you're right there on the there. doorstep. Yeah, I'm th- three years away. Hmm. Are you, though? <laughs> I mean, yes. I wish I wasn't. I would yeah. take it yesterday yeah, I know. if I could. And anyone yeah. that can hear the sound of my voice and is of age should go out and get the AstraZeneca vaccine. Like, pretty yeah. clear. So... I thought of you and your pending 40-year-oldness and what we're going to do for your 40th birthday and how we're going to celebrate it and all, all those fun things. Okay. Are you excited for your 40th birthday? But anyways, okay. we, we okay. call ourselves, and by we and call ourselves, I mean I have been told, we are called the lucky ones. As what? in, I, I know. I don't feel lucky. Thing. I know. And that, I, yeah, it's, <laughs> but the lucky ones, quote unquote, are from a time where we can remember no internet, no cell phones, and understand that way of life. Whereas we've also gotten the chance to live in an era where we get smartphones. I remember being at a bar in early university when my friend from the States brought the first iPhone and showed it to me. And it's my, I, I, I never bring me a good idea. I could never be one of the hosts of Dragon's Den because my friend showed me that and I went, why would you want your phone and iPod in the same thing? <laughs> I just like uh, my iPod, you know? Like, I like yeah. my iPod. I got separate. all my songs. Yeah, exactly. I like change. Like, when I, I got this whole thing figured out. I flip my phone yeah. open when I want to talk, and I press my iPod when I want to listen. When I first, and so, I was a huge BlackBerry guy, right? Never forget Jim Ball you Silly. So rich, tried to buy a hockey team, moved heaven and earth. Where's Jim Ball Silly now? Probably stinking rich, but either way. <laughs> 
not in the news buying teams these days. He's probably a little happy that that transaction didn't go through. I would guess. Anthony Maybe Stewart single-handedly keeping BlackBerry in business, <laughs> yeah. though. But if you recall, the BlackBerry situation was, or the, the pushback for BlackBerrys was, well, no one's going to use iPhones. That's a professional. No business professional would ever use an iPhone because the keyboard. I first bought the keyboard that attached to your iPhone, the big clunky metal sucker that popped down and that you would have to basically replicate the, the BlackBerry. There was no BBM. I thought, this is a nightmare. Who would ever, who would ever stick to music, stick to Nano's iPod? That's all I want from you. So the lucky ones is what we are. We, we've lived in that time, no cell phones. We didn't freak out. It just reminded us of... Uh, well, I kind of freaked out, but it reminded us of a different time. Yeah, I, I honestly, I loved it. I really did. And I, <laughs> I it's, loved it. I did. I'm in yeah. the wrong time in so many. Like, I love baseball. You, yeah, you, you're right. I'm in the wrong. You love time. butter and churning it. I, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. butter as much as the next person. I don't think I overly yeah. like butter, but yeah, I like the sim. I'm a simple man with yeah. simple pleasures. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and and the world, the big yeah, golf, baseball, and no cell phones. That's your. The, the, that's the best. The world story. scares me. Okay, and I belong in a time that was maybe a hundred years ago or close to. You know years who ago. else is from that time? Zach Hyman. No, uh, Patrick oh. Marlowe. Uh, the guy. <laughs> They, there, someone posted a thing yesterday where he's one of only three players in the NHL right now who is in N64 games. And nice. you look at the 64 version of Patrick Marlowe, and it's incredible how far video games have come. I, I, I know we say that from time to time, but it really is understated. The level of graphics we went from in our lifetime to where they're at right now, where it's seamless. If you see MLB The Show ads... Bobochette looks exactly like Bobochette. It's uncanny. Everything is down to just about a perfect science. I don't even understand how they're going to improve that. If they do improve that much, it's almost creepy. Don't improve it more than what it is right now. Shouldn't it feel a little bit like a video game? Should it feel like not you're controlling another person? But anyway, Marlowe gets the Gordie Howe record, right? He has the most games played in NHL history. And... He sort of got the night to himself. Zach Hyman news broke earlier, and I don't know. We'll, we're going to talk with Bourne later in the show, and we're actually getting him today. Uh, it's a text line Tuesday, by the way, as well. So get those yeah. texts in, 590-590. Bourne's going to jump on. We're going to talk a bunch of Leafs things that we wanted to discuss with him yesterday, a couple of new things. I'm, I'm glad we're doing it today almost because we have some clarity on the Hyman news, but I don't have much to say because the take is obvious. Hey, they're going to miss him, but... The relief I felt knowing that Zach Hyman is not out for the season, yeah, it, it changed my entire day. It, it changed my entire day knowing that the Leafs, one of their best players and most important players, is not going to be out for the playoffs, that he's going to be, you would hope anyways, okay for the first round and himself in the first round. But after the Hyman news broke, it was sort of a night where Patrick Marlowe stood alone where everybody basically got to pay attention to this thing and reflect on this incredible accomplishment, right? And think, wow, okay, Patrick Marlowe, stage is all yours. What what was even the second story of last night? God, I, I don't even know. Right, yeah. it was Marlowe. I mean, there was a he, lot of basketball stories. Sure. Steph I, went crazy again, yeah. and Steph is insane. Never forget your Steph not better than Clay take. Uh, as he's averaging 40 points this month, <laughs> single-handedly carrying the war. Clay he's going to lead the NBA 16. in scoring. 
yeah, lead the NBA in scoring and gonna. You know who leads the carry. NBA in scoring right now? Yeah, Bradley Beal. That's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah I don't hear MVP talk around him. Yeah, Similar you, records, and you won't. <laughs> yeah. And you won't. You won't hear any of those things. But I had weird feelings about it. I got to say, I, I really do. And he's he's just got to be one of the weirdest like guys to hold a record like that, where he's clearly not an all-time great. He's a Hall of Famer, I think. Oh well, no doubt. That's gonna be a thing that happens because of probably that record and the goal scoring alone but so much of the Patrick Marlowe story is strange because he played for teams that people didn't really see they were always marred by playoff disappointments Mm -hmm. and then when he comes to Toronto there's a lot of excitement and not a lot of success with him individually as the first season where he scores 20 goals and then he becomes an albatross of a contract which even when it was signed everyone knew was going to be bad but the assumption was you would be able to move off of that deal in the final year because all the money was paid and you wouldn't be penalized aggressively for it and that turned out to be incorrect the Leafs had to give up a first round pick and there was the debates about whether his impact was overstated or understated and blah 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 I just think Patrick Marlowe was a fine player. I don't. I just don't think I'll really think about Patrick Marlowe when he goes into the Hall of Fame. Like, what's your Patrick Marlowe memory? Member of Team Canada. Yeah, played on a bunch yeah. of Sharks team. Like, but not a memorable member of Team Canada. Not someone no. who was an no. impactful need to have him there guy. Like a fringe no. guy that goes because he's knows Joe Thornton basically. <laughs> Yeah, it, it. I mean, there's two headlines for him. It's the first one is played on those Sharks teams, which were regular season juggernauts, and their big accomplishment was getting to a Cup final, and that's it. And one of the biggest disappointments in this era of watching the National Hockey League. And honestly, and this is probably navel gazing because we live here, being mm-hmm. the father to Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. That's like a funny his, video that got posted yesterday. Though, yeah, it was great and and well done. I wish they hadn't looked back at Joe Thornton. I wish he had just stayed in the background and we all just saw it. Like the actual looking back at him was unnecessary. Joe, I, like the joke was made. But gotta well tell you, Joe Thornton has such a big beard that you think of him as a bigger guy, and he's on the ice and he looks kind of bigger and clunkier. And then you see him yeah. tarps off like that, and he's just shredded. Dead, dead. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would say no. I he's a uh, a great just deceiving player. body guy. Deceiving body guy. Would you not Maybe agree? To you. Uh, oh yes, definitely to me. I bet you parts of his body wouldn't be deceiving. But yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, well done. A lot of pixels. A lot of pixels for that guy. <laughs> the guy at the yeah. pixel factory was working overtime. Probably, you know, there's a reason that he uh, is more than willing to break down the barriers between mm. the urinals, yeah. you know? You know yeah. you know what I'm okay. saying? Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Anyway, so that's the second thing I think about when I think about uh, Patrick Marlowe. Great player, all-time player. Uh, the longevity is something that mm-hmm. can't be understated or overstated. I always mm-hmm. get confused on that. It can't be overstated because it's impressive. He's played the most games ever. And is he a completely diminished version of himself with eight points in 45 games? Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, no duh. But this is a guy that only a season ago, the Pittsburgh Penguins thought enough of him to trade for him at the deadline, acquire him mm-hmm. for a playoff run. 
And he only ended up with two points in eight games for them and a, a pretty disappointing playoff run, I would say, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's obviously past his prime. Guess what? So was Gordy Howe at 50 years old. Like, do you think Gordy Howe was the same Gordy Howe he was in, at 27 when he was 50 years old? So I'm glad you brought that up because you know who I thought of last night? This is, this is the only thing that's weird about discussing it is if you look at that list, right, of all-time games played, it's Marlowe, Howe, Messier, Francis, Thornton, Chelios. It's really great players, and I don't think that's Marlowe. The guy that I didn't mention who's fourth in all-time game, games played is Yager. And the lockout and the, the couple seasons overseas, Yager should have that record. And, yeah, Marlowe also went through a lockout, and Marlowe also had to do – but Yager's was different – that's the guy who should hold that thing, and I thought of him last night. I just thought, this is kind of supposed to be your thing, because Yager was good for the longest, I think. That's what I think of with Yager, is how he was still an impactful and a good player for a long, long time, and that, that was it, is that he kept signing those contracts into his 40s, where you thought, well, you know, you gotta sort of let him do it. You gotta let him go out there. He loved the game, he couldn't put it away, and... There wasn't a feeling of you're hanging on too long with Yager. It was, hey, this is kind of appropriate that you're here. So I, I, I really did spend some time, weirdly, thinking about Yarmir Yager and, and looking at his hockey reference page and yep. sort of filing through some of those years and thinking about all the different teams that he played on and how he became this really cool mercenary. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I just... I, I weirdly will always think when I see the Marlowe record of... Yager. Uh, I love that. And you're right. Yager is the guy that was impactful for the longest. There's two things about the Marlowe thing that I think the discussion uh, about is interesting. One mm -hmm. is that, well, he hung around too long. He shouldn't have stuck it out this long. He shouldn't have kept playing at this diminished ability for a Sharks team that's not going anywhere. I don't begrudge anyone for continuing to play professional sports as long as mm -hmm. they're allowed. It's a meritocracy sure. and maybe a part of this isn't on merit, but that's the Sharks' decision. He doesn't mm -hmm. get to decide. If the Sharks thought he was, hey, they were ready to win today and mm -hmm. Patrick Marlowe can't be a part of that, guess what? Patrick Marlowe doesn't get to play. He doesn't get the record. Secondarily, the criticism towards people for parsing the record is asinine to me. This is a record. It's a sports record. You can compare over eras. You can say what's more legit than the other. That's what we're going to do with Alex Ovechkin and his goal-scoring record, right? If he gets close to Gretzky or if he, if he fails to match Gretzky, we're going to compare and contrast the two different eras. It's fine. We're not diminishing his career or who he is as a human being. I suppose you can have that conversation in a disres uh, disrespectful way, but I think it's a fine conversation to have, like you did with Yager. It's fine to compare him, to say that it's... And nobody's – you don't want to do the straw man thing where it's like, well, he's no Gordie Howe. Like, obviously, that nobody's mm -hmm. making that comparison. But he does have a record that Gordie Howe does not anymore. And I think it's a fair conversation to have is how legitimate are the games played? Where does he stand in all-time history in this sport? Yeah, I think the Gordie Howe comparison is actually super fair because Gordie Howe – got to play a lot of hockey where he obviously was no longer Gordie Howe. And anybody who plays this long has seasons where they're not close to the guy that they once were, right? Mm -hmm. That's just a, a thing. My only point about Yager was that 
I think he was 44 years old when he retired, or he was 45. He was up there. Like, his final season in Calgary was, uh, not I don't want to say an abject disaster, but he was done. He didn't finish the year with them. But, uh, yeah, let me pull this up. When Yager was 44 years old and he had a Panther season, he scored 16 goals and had 30 assists. He had 46 points in 82 games in his age 44 season. He spent ages 36 to... 40, essentially, he had a blip with the Flyers, like, playing in the K, right? Like, that's a lot of time that he lost. If he doesn't, if he just plays two of those seasons in the NHL, Marlowe's never catching his record. No one's maybe catching that record. I... uh, So, yeah, we don't have to parse it in the sense of it's an incredible accomplishment. Patrick Marlowe will always be known as a guy who took care of his body and was durable. And in sports, we really do have to value those things, and maybe we don't value them enough. We only value durability when someone is injured, right? Right now, Kevin Durant continues to get hurt for the Brooklyn Nets. It's always something with Kevin Durant lately. And you start to go, well, are the Brooklyn Nets for sure going to win because they've got Kevin Durant and he can't get healthy? And so the knock on someone will always be, well, they weren't durable. They weren't durable. We never really bring it up as a thing when we're discussing why someone was an all-time great, unless you're someone like Patrick Marlowe, but that's it. That's his defining trait now. It used to be that Patrick Marlowe was a goal scorer. It used to be that Patrick Marlowe was fast. Now it's Patrick Marlowe is an Ironman. And... Yeah, I'm sorry, but as of right now, if you're looking at all-time Ironmans, it sucks for Yager because he deserves more credit for it, but Patrick Marlowe is the all-time Ironman. He is the guy who was the most durable. He was the guy that stuck around for the longest amount of time and was, hey, for the next generation of players, the one thing that I do believe Patrick Marlowe had a significant impact on is keep your skating tight and you can continue to play. The reason why teams continue to go out and get him and the argument always for Patrick Marlowe was he's in terrific shape, He's going to show guys how to work out around him, and he can still skate. And if you can still skate, you can still play. So congratulations to him, honestly. He clearly made an impact on some of these guys. He clearly did things the right way. He's a, I don't want to say controversial player, but there are some... There are some things you can pick nits at with him as a... I don't want to say competitor. That's always tough, but... Just the way guys talk about him around the game in terms of hard to play against and stuff, like those are not he's he's had people come after him at certain times, whether it was the Ronick thing or you know, I heard Shane O'Brien on Sportsnet Tonight last night with McKee and Gunning talking about how uh, you know, he wasn't the hardest player to play against. There there's just Maybe that's unfair. Maybe it's unfair to even discuss these things. He's just the no, all-time. No, but it's Iron not. Man. That's no. I, honestly, I don't. But think who's that but that who's is... putting him in a conversation with the all-time greats? I guess is that's, the only thing that's I would say. That's the thing. It's like that's yeah. the that's the straw man argument that's being made. It's okay to yeah. talk about his career and you know how did he what play was anyone all these doing games that last consecutively? Night? What well, putting I mean, him I mean, among the all-time greats? Because he's mm-hmm. you're right. He's a Hall of Famer, but he's a Hall of Famer in the sense of if he's your headliner at the Hall of Fame, you go, wow, this is a weak class. And if he's the last guy in, you go, this is a strong class. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's fine. My point is the conversation around Patrick Marlowe, and we do this, it's like one of my biggest frustrations with mm. sports conversations in the year 2021 is that everything's so personal and they're human beings. And you got to think about mm. poor Patrick Marlowe who's made hundreds of millions of dollars in his career. This is his big night. You can't be talking about his career and saying anything negative about Patrick Marlowe and he's the no, greatest no. ever. And you cannot, this is, get, shut your mouth about your Patrick Marlowe 
was easy to play against occasionally and maybe played past his prime and could have better served his career in the Toronto Maple Leafs by taking a seat and not continuing the Ironman streak. You quiet with that. This is Patrick Marlowe's night. It's like, okay, it is Patrick Marlowe's night. Congratulations. But I can kind of understand that. No, I can't. I really can't. Because this is I, sports, I, and this is what we, we sure. talk about sports, and these are the sports conversations we have, parsing things, going through mm-hmm. the minutia, talking about our feelings about these players, and that's fair. And, mm-hmm. and I'm not, if I was Patrick Marlowe's friend and I actually was there with Patrick Marlowe on his big night, would I bring that up? <laughs> Obviously not. We're a million miles away talking about Patrick Marlowe. I guess, you know, Patrick Marlowe never God. moved me. I don't know. I, I really was shocked at how fast he was when he first arrived in Toronto and that he still had the 27 goals left in the tank. Like sure. he, was, he, was, he was one of the fastest Leafs that first year. Yep. I'm just saying that he never moved me as a player, that he's been around for a very, very long time. He's been on Team Canada's, and he's played for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's been on some of the just most uh, – that, that Sharks run is incredibly well accomplished. He was basically with one team his entire career, right? Yep. And – Guys like that usually move me in sports. They usually make me feel something, and I never felt something watching Patrick Marlowe. So yeah, take mostly, that for what you will. I think that's mostly a California thing. So that's what happens when you play mm, California. Not really. I've, I've seen a lot of Patrick Marlowe, and I watched a lot of Sharks, and you know, I watch a lot of sports, and I just Patrick Marlowe was never a guy that you would buy a ticket for. I can't so, believe on his big day you would say that. So well, it's not anymore. That's the thing. So. <laughs> in my ear that our next guest is there, but I won't believe it until I hear it. Justin Bourne, after all this technology, like the rest of us melted down, but some of us, you know, have the internet. He didn't even have that. <laughs> no, he did have that. He's just um, old and unwilling. That's what that was yesterday. Old and unwilling to learn new things. Once his first uh, option, we saw him on deadline day trying to fire up that Zoom. And we're all out of ideas. Exactly. We should should have a chit-chat about that at some point, that deadline day Zoom and the hassles I went through to try to get through that and the tech issues on your end with the and me getting a hard time about it. Oh, the fluster in your voice. By the way, I just uh, opened up your The fluster in my voice is this is like the 10th time I've started this show with getting yeah. a hard time. <laughs> uh, Tenth and not your last. Yeah, yeah. this will be the, the continued theme of your segments. I did see, though, uh, you on television. And I will say this. I just saw your tweet. I looked down your timeline to make sure there was nothing new that uh, needed to be discussed or that you didn't inspire me with anything. The pen picture is cool. It is. It is cool. I know. (laughs) Did some people say it's not? I'm just curious how the pen picture was received because my initial reaction was, come on, Bourne. And then I looked at it a little bit more and I said, that's a cool picture. I like that picture. (laughs) That was a good inclusion in the post. It felt artsy. It it almost got Instagram love, but uh, I'm not artsy. Yeah. I thought it was quite good. I thought it was a good creative post. I enjoyed it very much. And you're doing great on TV, pal. So how's that for pumping your tires a little bit after chirping? Is that good? Yeah. I'll take we, it. I'll take it. Are we back? No, okay. you yeah, suck. We're okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm actually friends with him, you know, so I got to make sure I re- <laughs> maintain that relationship. You're just an outsider. Uh, okay. So uh, I'm in relief. This is just where we got to start. It's almost good that your phone melted in your hand yesterday. And that we don't have to, or that we can just look at this and understand that it's going to be two weeks. I guess 
two weeks is getting pretty close to the playoffs. This is always a hard game to do, but are we sure Hyman's going to be fine? At this point, knowing that it's going to be two weeks, there should be an opportunity where he can get back out on the ice. Does he have the kind of game where you would say he needs more time? Because to me, my, my initial thought was Zach Hyman is sort of one of the perfect dudes to get hurt if it was one of your key guys to get hurt because his type of game is going to translate well to just being able to be thrown back into the mix. Does that make sense? It does. And I also think there's... Um, there's some value to being injured at the right time of the year. Like to just let everything else rest up along with the actual injury, to just take a little breather from the game and, um, you know, let his MCL strain get, get itself better. And then you have enough games to come back. They said uh, two weeks, it leaves him with about five or six hockey games uh, before the playoffs, which is just about right to me. You know, and he's also a guy, you know, to your point, that he's effective when he's not scoring. So at least you get it back in the mix and he can forecheck and he can be in the right positions and do all the things you like. It's, it's great news. It's really good news if you're the Toronto Maple it's not ideal, of course, but uh, yeah, you, you'll take it. Absolutely, 10 out of 10 for that result. Yeah, I don't know how much timing you need to do the things that Zach Hyman does. And yeah, he's been a more skilled player this year, but being hard on the forecheck, uh, you see the skilled players take a little bit longer to return. Well, it's but... also that conditioning, right, where you worry about conditioning. But there are other ways to keep your lungs in shape without running, right? You can get a rowing machine. You, th- There are ways to do it where you don't just fall off the map completely. And the Zach thing is, is not everyone will do it, and he will. Yeah, that, that yes, thank you. That's exactly will. where I was going, is that <laughs> if you had to bet on a guy who is going to make sure that he can do everything possible to get A, back on the ice, and B, keep himself in as good a condition as he can, I think you would pick Zach Hyman. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know yep. who else it would be. My uh, my time with the Marlies when like guys would uh, watch their shifts after the game. So you get on the bus after a win or a loss, and I've got all the iPads loaded with their individual shifts. And the players can come up and say, "Can I watch my shifts?" I would hand them their iPad. The players who would come up were the guys who scored that game, and no one else. And Zach Hyman. You know, like it was like regardless of how he played, if he got benched, whatever, he wanted to see what he did, and he watched every shift, every game on the bus. That was part of his routine because he's one of those guys who does things the right way. He's a true pro. I would love to. Yeah, I'd absolutely be the guy who scored. and Well, I wouldn't be the guy who scored, but if I did, I would be like, yeah, let me see that (laughs) over and over and over and over again on repeat, please. So this market obviously always has love affairs with guys like this, right? The... The guys who exceed expectations when they come into town and the guys who quote-unquote do things the right way. And sometimes I think it's silly or sometimes I think it's foolish, but one of the things I really admire about Zach Hyman is that he is that guy. And we've discussed this before, that the modern athlete, there's a lot more of the same guy because there are factories to create the same guy. And it happens especially with hockey. And so when someone looks different and plays different, especially on a roster where you look for a lot of similar players, that always excites me. But also, there is a... And I don't necessarily hate this, but it's just, I think, a truth that players are no longer defined just by their careers, that they expand into different businesses and they want to be known as uh, guys who sell clothing or whatever fashion moguls, whatever. With Zach Hyman, it just feels like all this guy cares about is hockey, and he just wants to play hockey at the highest level he can. What? He wants to write children's books as well. 
But I just, yeah, I just think of him as an all-in hockey guy, and I, I really love that about him. Like, I'm, I'm going to yeah. miss watching him play over the next couple of weeks. That was my second feeling of this was, man, I'm going to miss Zach Hyman. And having those three, four moments a game where I send a text to Bourne or to Ben or to a friend in a Leafs group chat of Zach freaking Hyman, you know, like that, I, I will miss it. Yeah, no, he he provided something uh, pretty consistently for the team. I, I was actually thinking about Hyman in a similar light the other day, just about how I'm not sure uh, how old he is off the top of my head. I don't know, 28 maybe. I would guess it, that he's 27, 27, 27 yeah. something like that. Um, but but I was thinking about how you know he's such a a put together guy and a pro, and I was like, I don't think I've seen pictures of him like married with kids, whatever. And like I flashed back to a conversation that someone had that like about how he doesn't want to like do anything but hockey until his hockey career is done. Love that. And just like I you know, and I don't know you know what his personal choices are, but it, it, everything he does reflects that. And so when I you know when we say this is a guy who probably is going to use the rowing machine you know an hour a day until he's back, he probably is because he really cares about this. Yeah, that's the fans. The the fans are always ripping athletes for having like even a modicum of personal life. Like you're going through a losing streak and you're playing video games. Like yeah, we have a, a personal life. Like I'm a human being. Yeah. But Zach Hyman is truly the the fans' dream. Where he de- he will not play video games. Yeah. He'll just think about hockey all day. He's just eating MCL juice, just whatever <laughs> he can all day until he's ready. Sleep, hyperbaric chambers, stretch. He'll be ready. Yeah. So the last thought on Zach Hyman with the injury is you mentioned yesterday before your phone blew up about the idea of if his knee is in a state of disrepair, how that could impact the contract. Mm-hmm. And we do the doomsday when it comes to contracts here because people are scarred by what they went through with Nylander. I wouldn't say what they went through with Matthews, but still, I, I do think Matthews' contract was kind of surprising in that he got a lot and didn't take the term, which normally with superstar players and considering they had given term to Nylander was just a little bit like, whoa, okay, so he's going to be coming up quite quickly here. You better win or else maybe there's a threat he could leave. And then Marner's deal, obviously, chief among them in terms of just pain and anguish and difficulty with a local guy not taking any type of a discount and really pushing the team up against the wall to the point where they were moving players to acquiesce his contract demands. We know that there's a hope that Hyman is going to be different. But now with him out of the lineup for two weeks... It's a weird season to be evaluating guys, especially given right now that the Leafs are in a playoff spot. They're going to face some teams who don't really care so much about the standings. There's going to be some load management. I've already found it's just difficult to watch sports right now, NBA and NHL, down these stretch runs and and feel like I'm getting a better grasp of takes. But do you think there's at all a danger of the Leafs really not looking good, not having a third line, not having their top six look as solid, and Zach Hyman's value actually going up. Like, you don't know what you've got till it's gone thing, where over an expanded period of time you say, why is this team so different? And it's because Zach Hyman and because of the, the things that he brings to this team. Yeah, I, I, I would have real concern about the way all the sort of circumstances have pointed towards, like, best-case scenario for Hyman. You know, like, huge numbers so far like he's second on the Leafs in goals right now like we always talk about the big four he's second I know you know like everything has worked in his favor he's in the absolute prime of his career here he's had a great season but I'll be honest I do have some some concern you know we mentioned his age you know roughly where he is on that 29 is he yeah so 
almost 29, so where he is on that career arc, and while I have great confidence that he'll still be, you know, a committed and valuable player, like, I am just worried that this is going to become a guy who gets six and a half million dollars or something, and then, boy, if he's, the scoring dries up and you have a good four-checker for $6.5 million, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel so good. So there no. is some concern about everything going perfectly for Hyman in his contract year. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I, that's the thing. When people throw numbers out about what Zach Hyman's going to get paid, I, I genuinely am at a loss. I, I have no clue where it's going to be. We saw the reports, right, that it's going to be over five, which makes sense because, okay, this, this, well, I, I don't like normally doing this because it just, it doesn't, people hear what they want to hear with it. But whenever you say who are the most important Maple Leafs players, I think that Hyman is definitely among the most important players with Matthews, Marner, and Tavares. And people always say he's obviously not as good as Nylander because he's not as skilled as Nylander, but uh, he has more goals and more points. And granted, he's played a few more games, but there's a reason why Sheldon Keith plays him three minutes more a night. There's just a reason why I feel as though he impacts the game way more than William Nylander does. And Nylander's contract, we all view as kind of a sweetheart deal, right? Yeah. And, and and I get it. You pay more for raw skill. And do and Nylander's younger. And do I think he'll age better? Will Nylander be better three, four years from now? I, I think he will. Will he be better even sooner than that? But if I was Zach Hyman, I would look at Nylander's deal and say, why would Nylander get $7 million? And I would not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what? No, you're 100% right. And I think... When you're t- a part of uh, these contracts is forecasting, right? Like what mm-hmm. you expect to get from these guys over their years. But like, there's not a soul who could convince me that William Nylander's been more valuable than Zach Hyman to the Leafs this season. Well, it's just it's factually incorrect. There's no right. argument for it. If you want to try to make it, you're just showing that you're in that camp of Nylander fan where you're unable to process anything other than this guy is a he's got. The world's against him, and that yeah. you're a part of the world being against you. I don't know. There's just yeah, a weird they both disconnection. Played, like, they played 40 and 43 games. Uh, you know, one guy, you know, one, you know, Hyman is right there with, with points and actually ahead, plays more minutes. He kills penalties, yada, yada. And I, he's I, played extensively with the likes of Pierre Engvall and Ilya Mikheyev. I wouldn't right. exactly say that yeah. that's really boosting the stats. While you can say that Tavares has not had a typical Tavares season, uh, he's sort of known for boosting stats. Also, there's like power. Uh, Anyway, it, we don't need to go through this. And this is not supposed no, to be a this is not supposed to be a shot at William Nylander. I think he's fine. I think Nylander's good, and I think he's appropriately paid. My only point is if Zach Hyman was – all I would have to say if I'm Zach Hyman at the contract negotiations is, why do you play me three more minutes a night than William Nylander? And you and why do you three million less. Right. And, and now you're – exactly. So you're going to tell me that I'm valued – we all know this, right? Okay, you, every single person can put themselves in these shoes, right? Which is when you are doing a job and you are doing the same job as somebody else and you get paid less, it makes you feel like garbage. If you've ever been in that situation, you know exactly the way that you feel. And comparison is the thief of joy. I'll say it over and over and over again, but that's what this business is. That's what professional sports are you are comparing yourself to other players and when you get in that room and you have those contracts in front of you and you're having these discussions with your agent they're going to be telling you well these are your comparables and i just don't understand how william nylander is not a comparable to zach hyman when it comes to value when the organization has said flat out hey you're more valuable than william nylander to us we need you in the lineup more than william nylander okay well then he's my comparable and he makes seven million that's what i want 
Well, and it's funny is like we're not being like sports talk radio guys discussing this and making up some concept. That's what arbitration is. Yes. Arbitration, you stand there and say, look at him. Here's what he does. Here's what he gets paid. Well, I, mm-hmm. I want that. You know, it's not uh, it's not that complicated. So Hyman has a, a very, very big case here. Uh, I do have the thought, the, the, the question, if Zach Hyman is the, the, the guy that I think he is, seeing – the way that Mitch Marner was perceived in this market after his contract talks and seeing the way the extra dollars apply that extra pressure and lack of fun and scrutiny, I do think he may be the one guy that might say, I'll do it for five and a half, even though I'm worth seven, you know, and uh, the Leafs, you know, and fans can go, oh, that's a great deal or five or whatever the deal is. Uh, I think there's a chance that he takes a million bucks less per year, knowing that living in Toronto for the rest of his life, yep. he's going to make that money back tenfold if he's beloved here. Well, he'd better if he wants to be a Toronto Maple Leaf because, like, I I don't know. The, the, unless some magic cap thing happens in the offseason here, how are they going to fit Zach Hyman in at $7-plus million? They'd have to go so cheap with the goaltending. They'd have, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Freddie's already gone, I think. It's just yeah. – it's a to me, it's a – it's a foregone conclusion because, and it's not that I don't think that they, they would want to bring Freddie Anderson back, but what's the scenario, right? Freddie Anderson's not going to take a one-year prove-it deal when he played hurt this year. That guy's going to be looking for the bag, and he deserves to get the bag. And, man, this is just a tough place to play. If I was Freddie Anderson, I'd be looking at this saying, you know what I would like is not having every goal I let in debated and discussed and uh, torn over and had multiple angles of and had podcasts on and radio shows of. I would actually, honestly, one of my biggest things this year in terms of realization is I'm usually someone who says that the Toronto media thing and the Toronto fan thing is a little overstated. And it's funny because I actually include fans and media now because of the access point to social media, right? Where do you think a player is more likely to hear this podcast or this radio show or see the amounts of tweets that get directed at them, right? So yeah. um, that amplification has, I would say, I, I've shifted my thought process on, hey, that's so overstated and if you can't play here, you're not tough enough and blah, blah, blah. But for a goaltender and for this team where it's just a, the pressure is massive, I don't think it would be very fun being Freddie Anderson. You know, I don't think it would be very fun even being Jack Campbell when Leafs Twitter is so obsessed with goaltending at this juncture. It it just seems like it would be a lot, a lot, a lot on an already fully loaded plate. Yeah. It's tough, too, that, like, you know, by the way, I wouldn't be surprised if Freddie does end up somewhere a little quieter. But I just say it's tough if you are someone like Jack Campbell that has, like, admitted to having some – uh, struggles with confidence and the mental side of you know getting to where he is in his career be a tough spot to play. I think we like we you know we knew it when it was happening, but like this market took Freddie for for granted when he was playing really well because he oh, was yeah. quiet and he could handle it and he shrugged off most of the garbage. And Stewie has been uh, you know Anthony Stewart on our show has been like the biggest. Um, you know, drum drum banger for for Freddie over the years, and just saying that he's perfect for this market, and he has been. But just with the salary cap, it's just at some point the puzzle piece doesn't fit. No, it's it's a. I keep going back to our discussions with Brian Burke about his thought process bringing in players from other organizations to the Toronto Maple Leafs, and it's true that Francois Beauchemin, he, he, that was the example he kept using. That's all well and good for position players, but there is no position like goaltender, and in this market, goaltending. You can almost not throw out numbers from other places, but it's you can't just do a straight extrapolation of what a, a goaltender is going to do when they arrive in this market. 
Yeah, you have to you have to be weirdly confident or someone who's not on social media at all or it's just it's a tough place. Um you don't I don't know when the next goalie is going to come from. This seems like a natural fit here. I yeah, I don't know. Do you guys see Jack Campbell having a long prosperous happy run here in Toronto? Like so we talked to Fuda about this yesterday and Fuda was pretty open about how he had to have candid conversations with Jack Campbell about the way that he carried himself after losses and after oh, yeah? stumbling blocks. Well, yeah. He's said he's done it and, this year. Yeah. Yeah. That and and we have all spoken about this that it I don't even know how much of it is theater or what exactly it is with Jack Campbell where he gives these quotes and he's so down in the dumps, but it's too much. And it it honestly I, I I hate this because I love when players are forward facing and they are themselves and they are open and they are not afraid to speak to the media the way that they feel. But there is actually a bit of a line where you have to say, okay, but also you got to be a professional and also you have to instill confidence in your team and also you have an obligation not to um, add more fuel to the fire. And for me, Jack Campbell has done that throughout his short tenure here. That when he has these losses, the woe is me routine of I'm just, you know, disgusted with my play and I'm, it just, it, it it leads to conversations like this, and it it ends up making it harder on him if he ends up seeing it. So it's sort of a self-fulfilling thing. I don't think that Jack Campbell also has the resume health-wise to you go into a season with him as your number one guy and say you can uh, go cheap on whoever the backup is. Like I think if you go in with Jack Campbell, you have to get someone like fairly established. And it gets back to that same thing. I'll wrap this up with – Underappreciating what Freddie Anderson did here. I think he lived with the ghosts of Curtis Joseph and Ed Belfour that will always live here with people of a certain age where they say, are you that guy? Are you the game stealer? You know? And when you just go about things quietly and do your job and you do it well, it's just not sexy. And Freddie Anderson has never been a quote-unquote sexy name or a goaltender. So he has suffered from that. He has suffered from expectation. He has suffered from the teams in front of him. He's suffered from the amount of games that he's had to play. Overall, he's been a good goalie. And if you ask anybody, anybody who's played in the NHL what they think of Freddie Anderson, the result is what Stewie says, where they go, that guy's a really good goaltender and it's really hard to play here. And when you ask fans, they think he's dog crap. So... Yeah, I, I think it's pretty clear where a rational person should sit with Freddie Anderson and his legacy in the city. Yeah, and, you know, if it is, if it comes down to, is it going to be Freddie Anderson or Zach Hyman, it's probably not much of a conversation at all. No, it's got to be it's Zach. Just, yeah, so it's just... Well, age yeah, matters here, too. If Freddie Anderson was right. a 26-year-old goaltender, you could start to have a conversation, but he's well, not, and he's clearly slowing also, down, and he doesn't look yeah. like the same guy. Yeah, look at the career trajectory and whether yep. you think he's as bad as he's been recently or even the, the season as a whole is a separate. Like, he's certainly not the guy that was getting Vesna votes a couple of years ago. That's clear. Um, Bourne, yeah, the, the mental curious. thing. Well, go Sorry, ahead. I am curious what they're going to do with Freddie right now. Like, he, they, he was on the ice the other day. It's he's, a yeah, month. yesterday. It's a month till playoffs. Like, okay, they, so I, <laughs> go ahead. I, I read something today about the cap implications of bringing him back being so dire that it's almost impossible to imagine him playing a regular season game for this Leafs team before the playoffs. But he mm -hmm. has to factor into the postseason. Would you be willing to give this guy some conditioning stints in the American League and then when there's no cap in the postseason, have him as your backup for game one or starting game one and Jack Campbell as your backup? Is that enough 
are you comfortable in that position if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs? Let's let's face facts here. It, it is a wild spot. This Toronto Maple Leafs is heading in, uh, team is heading into playoffs in their mm-hmm. goaltending situation. It's wild. Because Freddie is on the ice now, so okay, maybe he's slow movements, taking it easy, whatever. A month is a long time if he's ready to go. Like, I could see him being upset with the position they've put him in where he can't really play. Like, let's say he feels like he's ready to go. You know, would he ever speak out in the media or have his agent say something? And then, so if he does you know, fall, you know, toe the company line and play the uh, the good teammate here and stay out until playoffs, you're going to throw Freddie in net in game one. And uh, by the way, I think that's what I'd do. I think Freddie's still the best option yeah. over Jack Campbell heading into playoffs. So it, it's terrifying to think for the Leafs fans that it's coming down to this. So I think you're referencing, I think Myrtle wrote that they need to clear yes. 3.7 mil. Yep. Okay. And they can get close to that, but it's yep. hard to get to that full number. Sure. So I wonder if privately this is all done with the understanding that Freddie Anderson actually does feel comfortable just to be thrown into the mix of the playoffs. And that, okay, you ready for conspiracy hat? Yep. They've guaranteed him start one. I bet you're right. That they have said, hey, Freddie – we need to do this, and this is the way to circumvent the cap, and this is the way to get the team as best positioned as possible by bringing in these names. But the only way we can do it is with full buy-in from you. Do you feel as though you can be comfortable with practice, simulated games, potential AHL, in order for you to get yourself right for the postseason? Because Freddie Anderson is no spring chicken he's been there before he's already been in these games I, I do not believe all players are built the same where they say I need a week of practice before or a week of games sorry before I feel like I am myself I need to feel the puck I think Freddie Anderson if you just take him out of the blue and you drop him into that game that he's going to be pretty reminiscent to Freddie Anderson so potentially this is the conspiracy hat they have promised him game one and maybe even promised him game two and said, we'll give you the first two games of this series. You're our guy. You will be the one we put in net, but you need to buy in and you need to tell us that you're comfortable with sitting this out and basically practicing for a month and playing up this injury. Because it's a weird it's a weird thing to publicly say if you're Kyle Dubas, hey, we're just waiting to hear from whenever Freddie's comfortable he's been playing hurt. And then all of a sudden he's on the ice and say, well, how can he be that far away? How can he be a month away if he's on the ice? Yeah. And this would have been something that would have had to happen before the deadline. They basically yep. go to Freddie and say, you want to win a Stanley Cup, we want to win a Stanley Cup. It's good for all mm-hmm. of us. If you do this, we'll get, we can get Nick Foligno. If you mm-hmm. don't do this, we just can't add anyone to the deadline. You know, it's, we just can't do it. And so you put Freddie in a spot where it's like, no, give us the best team possible. I'll rest up. And then because I know I've been promised the first couple of starts or the opportunity to still be the guy, I'm willing to do it. Uh, yeah, I wish I could bet on that. He's going to play. He's going to play game one. Well, Elliot Friedman had some reporting to this to this point in his latest 31 Thoughts. Thought number four was, uh, this is where I think it stands with Frederick Anderson. He feels he played hurt this year when Jack Campbell was also injured, and it affected his play. We mm-hmm. won't see him until he feels he's completely recovered. So this might 
be actually more from Anderson in this regard. And I know a guy that's that's pushed to get into the lineup and wants more games and talked about, yeah, yeah 60, 70 games. You no really think, though, that he would want to take a month more off? Like, if he's on the ice right now, if he doesn't play until the playoffs, you're not going to buy the conspiracy theory angle? I'll buy it. I'll, I'll say there's some validity to it. Um, and there's got to be a way, too, that they have planned. Again, we always talk about Brandon Pridham as though he's a god, but in this scenario, there's no one that you'd rather have because he wrote this cap, but... There is no way that they have not charted out a map where they say, this is the moves financially that we will make in order to get Freddie Anderson back on the ice before the playoffs. Like that, that they're, they're not going to be taken by surprise here. They're not us having a conversation right now going, no. well, how are they going to do it? No. Like, like Freddie Anderson's going to come to their office and say, I'm ready to play and I want to get on the ice. And I feel like this is, they're not going to say, well, you know what, Freddie, um, even though you're our best goaltender, quite clearly, uh, and that you've put in all these years here, we need you to circumvent the cap and you just got to keep it. Like, that's not happening. They need buy-in from every angle. And if he somehow changes his mind or decides to change his mind or if this isn't even the case and he d- he's going to get back out on the ice, they have to have that contingency plan. Mm. Because, frankly, down the lineup, guys, and I don't even need to say this, Acquiring Nick Foligno is not important, more important than having a healthy Freddie Anderson for the playoffs. And I love Nick Foligno. It's not a discussion. Freddie Anderson being healthy for the postseason is of far, far, far greater importance than just about anything on this team right now. So they have this mapped out. I'm not afraid of these uh, these things cropping up. I, I trust the front office has already figured out a way to get him back. I trust that the front office has potentially gotten the buy-in from him to be ready for the postseason. I trust Freddie Anderson is going to get himself right and be in a position where he gives the Leafs a chance to win. What's crazy is there was days this season where the Vegas Golden Knights played with less than 18 skaters. Mm. I think they dressed 17 skaters or maybe even 16 skaters one night because of the salary cap implications. It wouldn't shock me if the Leafs have looked at this and said, if we can just keep Freddie out to the final week, you know, there's a couple of games, you know, at that point his cap hit is X. We just need Mm -hmm. to get down to these numbers and, you know, send down player X and Y. I'm sure that there's a way that that we could see him for a game or two, maybe the last game or two of the season. Before totally. These guys are way ahead of our ability to comprehend the Do salary yourself. cap, right? <laughs> yeah, it just, we just don't even. It just, it's just, it. it's like we can have people who dedicate themselves to writing about the cap and trying to figure out these numbers. And I'm just sorry, but it's, it's a different level with the guy who wrote it and this Leafs front office and the level of care that they put into this. I just, I'm, I am strangely unconcerned with how they make the Freddie Anderson situation work. Is it very strange? Is it worth discussing at nauseum until we get there? Of course it is. But if you rated my what concerns me meter, I wouldn't have figuring out how to get Freddie Anderson back to where he needs to be as, as that high on the list. I just I think they've already planned for this. I think they have a pretty clear picture of what it's going to be. You know what I am concerned with, and I need to do this before you go born, mm. is Morgan Riley. Mm-hmm. Again, when we had Michael Fiuta step in for you yesterday, I was pretty critical of Riley, and I will admit that I was a little cranky because the phones weren't working, and um, our segment had gone an hour. We had done two hours of sports radio alone, and sometimes you try to dig and find a little bit of extra energy, and it comes off as being a bit of a dick, and that's <laughs> what I think I sounded like yesterday. And But the point that I was making, I, I believe in, which is, Morgan Riley's been, if you looked at the entire roster and said, who has 
been overwhelming or underwhelming, I would have him as chief of the underwhelmings. And it hasn't just been a one stretch here or a one stretch there. I would say that for the most part, especially given that the excuse of the partner is out the window, because we all, I believe, agree that Brody is excellent and a perfect teammate for him, that he's an offensive defenseman that's not giving you enough offense, who's not quarterbacking a power play and who is supposed to be a power play quarterback, but we're all kind of agreeing that he's not an ideal fit for that unit. A zone entry wizard, and the Leafs are struggling to gain the zones on that unit. A guy who jumps up in the play a lot and makes quite a few mistakes, probably more than any other defenseman on this roster. What are we supposed to make of Morgan Riley at this point, and what do you think they do with him down the stretch? What is happening by your estimation with Morgan Riley, and how far off base am I? Well, I think there's there's a ton of value in the conversation because I think what we're sort of realizing about this guy is that he's really good but flawed. You know, everyone was like when he was younger, it was you know he was going to evolve into this uh, into Drew Doughty, uh, you know, Team Pete Drew Doughty, or exactly right. And then you know he, we always blamed his partners for a lot of the defensive struggles, but he's on the hook for quite a few of them. Uh, you know, I think you you run the risk of taking him for granted, you know, because he is so good at getting the puck out of his own and the yep. little, like, retrieval plays, and you know, he he does a lot of things very well. So I don't want it to sound like I don't recognize that he is probably their most important defense. And, well, I mean, one of their – he's a very important defenseman for the team. But, yes, there are some – most. Yeah, most important guys, no doubt. But there are there are way too many moments per game where I'm like, man, Morgan, like, how do you not see that? Whether it's vision things on the power play, like for you know, I tweeted the other day, like he he looks off looks off Austin Matthews, like it's me on his flank sometimes. Like, like we don't want you shooting it from up there, Morgan. Give it to 34, like he's Ovechkin. Every chance you get. The breakouts, I find him pretty underwhelming on the power play. I don't think he does anything extraordinary there. Defending rushes, some of his decision-making is questionable. You're going to have to live with it. Like, he's he's flawed. He's very good, but he's flawed, and he's one of these guys that I, I would say is a higher-event Leaf player, much in the same way we talk about, you know, Willie Nylander. You know, he's a high-event player both ways. Yeah, how much of the switching up the D pairings in that last game was to try and give him a different look? I think it's just experimental. Like we yeah. we may have to see this in playoffs for whatever reason, injuries. Let's make sure there are periods of the season where everyone plays with everyone more than anything. Mm-hmm. All right, Bourne. Good stuff. Your phone made it all the way. We through. made it, boys. Congratulations, <laughs> Thanks, guys. buddy. Way to get all it right. done. Talk, Talk to, to you next buddy. week. See you, see bud. Ya. It was Justin Bourne of uh, the NHL on Sportsnet.